Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. I'm really glad that you're here and listening. I was talking to a group of students a few weeks ago, folks that are in a 300-hour yoga teacher training that I'm leading, and we were talking about storytelling and how to theme a yoga class and how to install something into the class that takes it beyond the yoga postures and into a place that people can really um, take it off the mat and put it out into the world, into their world, like a story or a quality or an idea or even a myth or some sort of anchoring point. For example, some of my favorite themes are things like surrender, stillness, boundaries, friction, listening, things like that. Things that are big enough to hold everybody's story that's in the room. So universal ideas that people can apply to themselves. I've always only been interested in yoga that takes me past the poses and into ways I can expand, expand my grace, my awareness and my relationships, my mothering, even my cooking, my writing and everything else. That's always been the point of yoga to me. And yes, in the, in the meantime, <laughs> we get strong and flexible while we're soaking in these bigger questions. So anyway, I was talking to these students about how to do this well as a teacher. And I think one of the hardest things that I see people struggling with is how to do it so that it doesn't sound like a spiritual sandwich. So in other words... When you mention something at the beginning of class, like here's a little story about my dog, and then you recap the story at the end, but you never mention during the class and during the embodiment of the poses how it applies. And when you have a spiritual sandwich, it usually leaves folks feeling empty or confused, or at the very best, they just kind of ignore it and forget it because it doesn't have impact and it's not embodied and as I was talking to these students, I, um, I suddenly remembered my great aunt Maddie. And Maddie used to make this cake and she would bring it to just about every holiday and gathering. And everybody just loved it. She would bring it in this long, clear glass pan and it was just mouthwatering. <laughs> and I didn't find out exactly how she made it until I was a young adult. But it turns out that it was just yellow cake mix from a box. But I couldn't figure out what her secret was to keep it so moist and lemony. And it turns out that once she baked the yellow cake, she would make this light, lemony, kind of clear frosting. And then she would take a toothpick and she would poke small holes all over the cake. And then she poured the frosting on top. But it would seep into the middle of the cake 
because of the holes, and it made it so much better. And so I was telling my students about Maddie Cake and giving them this metaphor about how yoga postures are just like dry cake. And if there's nothing holding them together with myth and story, application, or breath, then it just stays separated and dry. But if you can poke holes and let the intention seep through, then it will hopefully be received and integrated more completely and more memorable. And the practitioners will ultimately have a fuller fuller experience because just frosting on top of dried cake is okay, but it's not as good as it could be. And so as I was telling them this, I started thinking about you, all of us, and our things that will help community and the importance of integration, the application of all of our parts, letting our full experience be infused and not compartmentalized, and how much more meaningful things are when they are embodied and integrated instead of just mentioned on the cover in the book jacket and not during the heart of the experience. I recently had the the absolute pleasure of having my friend Lisa Foote stay with me for a week. And she's an artist, a photographer, a brander, a visionary, and just a million other good things. And she spent the week with me. And branding feels like too sterile of a word for what we created together. It was more like, um, well, (laughs) it was Maddie Cake. It was so much more than her taking a bunch of new shots for my website or getting some fresh new looks. Yes, we absolutely did that, but it was the way that we did it throughout the week that felt like Maddie Cake. She took photos of me and my mom, and she asked questions first. Things like, how do you describe empowerment? What makes you feel like yourself? What adjectives would you use to describe yourself now and how you want to be? What feels like transformation to you? Things like that. And Lisa and I kept digging and excavating and talking and the images that she captured came out of these discussions so that they made sense. They were authentic And the smiles weren't forced, but they emerged from laughter and tears and real emotion after some sort of breakthrough and recognition. So it was like an uncovering. And it showed and the pictures glow with something real. And that's what happens, I think, with spontaneity and authenticity. And when they wrap around each other, we become less self-conscious and more awake in our own skin which is just so interesting to me. And frankly, I'm now at the point in my life where I insist on it. The only frosting on top version, the spiritual sandwich, has no place in my life anymore. So what does that look like and why does it matter? I think it looks like us softening into our humanness, which is usually everything all the time at once. (laughs) It's never just the hamstrings. It's never just the loneliness. We are so many things at one time. Last week, my dear friend E 
who I've talked about multiple times in this podcast, was getting ready for her wedding that would happen in a few days' time. And it was Mother's Day Eve, and her mother, Barbara, who we call Tink, short for Tinkerbell, died. And she had been sick for a while. And he texted me at 11.32 to let me know Tink was gone. And her wedding was less than a week away. And my heart felt broken for her, for Megan, her soon-to-be wife, and everyone who loved Tink, which was a whole lot of people, myself included. Tink was beautiful, fierce, opinionated, funny, wild, and attentive, as well as kind. She was always so kind to me. And she was a champion of true love and bold choices. And Tink never did things in a subtle way. <laughs> so it's not surprising that she did not slip away on a regular week. She always did things with kind of like her hair flowing behind her and a mischievous laugh. So here we were, the wedding, the loss, the all of it, the juxtaposition of those things was what stood out. Death and marriage all tangled up together. And once I spent more time thinking about it, I started to know that there was such a richness to it. It was all the things, and there was even a poetry to it. It was like a release, like this flapping dove in the sky. It was so much Maddie cake, a microcosm of life. So much beauty, so much hurt, all bundled together to receive and breathe through in the span of seven days. When Matt and I arrived at this quirky bed and breakfast for the wedding, we settled into the Rose Room that E had chosen for us. And it had black and white photographs of women from the 1920s and 30s in pinup style and peekaboo lace. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. And I set my bags down and then I walked out, out of the room and I looked out the window and I saw a pineapple in the top window of the main house, which was built in 1829. <laughs> and I just laughed out loud. Maddie, the baker of Maddie Cake, was from Pineapple, Alabama. And I remember everybody used to give her pineapples, napkin rings, salt and pepper shakers, bric-a-brac, all the things. And so I thought, okay, Maddie has shown up for the wedding in that window. I'm not sure if the pineapple was a side table or a lamp. It was too far away for me to tell, but it was my first sign that magic was there. The theme of integration was everywhere. This really lovely man gave a toast to the brides on the morning of the wedding he came up to the porch where we were all nestled with our coffee and breakfast, and he had in his hand a loaf of bread. He said, I don't know how much y'all know about how sourdough is made, but the starter, the sourdough starter takes on the elements and minerals and soil and air and components of wherever it is. And so the sourdough in San Francisco tastes different than the sourdough in New York City and then in Scotland, etc. And he said that his husband created the starter in Breckenridge, where he and the brides had shared a trip and some time together. And so he offered this bread as a toast, an offering 
an encapsulation of all the elements in a weekend that they had shared, all the things. So it was like this moment in time, tears, joy, ache, passion, sadness, beauty, and laughter, all captured in something we could actually spread butter on and eat. And it was so good. And the whole weekend was like that. It was Maddie cake deliciously integrated with so many special things it was embodied and it was on purpose and random with magic too it was the whole cycle and E's mom was so obviously there it was everything at once I thought again about what I was trying to teach the yoga teachers about theming and integration so that it actually lands and makes sense and resonates with people. And the key is, I think, to embody it, not just to talk about it intellectually, but how do you put it into the body? How does courage feel cellularly? Where do you feel sadness and grief in your body? When joy or peace first hits, how can you, where can you map it in your body? When you feel the most happy and the most sad at the exact same time, where does it go on the map? We are complex creatures. We're never linear and we're never just one thing. Coretta, my three-year-old, is having night terrors. She screams in the night, usually while she's still asleep. And one of us goes in there to settle her down. She doesn't even wake up, but we can soothe her generally by just rubbing her back or her tummy. When Coretta is awake, she is doing usually one of two things. She's running wildly away from me while shouting her independence, (laughs) or she's wrapping her little body tightly around my body and saying things like, mama, I want to get back inside your tummy like I used to be. The whole spectrum in the span of a few minutes, her brain, her body, her senses, her awareness, all changing at rapid speed. And I'm trying to welcome it all, even though I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. I'm sure she does too. And though it may be a little more extreme for a three-year-old or someone whose mama dies the same week as her wedding, but all of us at this slice in time are experiencing all the things at once. Rennie Harris was at the wedding, (laughs) and Rennie Harris is this, if you don't know, this amazing hip-hop dancer and choreographer who I've admired for many years, and everybody in my inner circle was laughing at me because the story goes that when I was in college, uh, when I was about 18 at a college dance festival, I followed Rennie around after taking a master class with him. And well, it was me and three of my best girlfriends at the time, and we were obsessed with him. And um, though that was many years ago, when I see him, I sort of turn into a painfully shy kid who cannot find her words or her feet. And I, (laughs) I actually haven't officially met him. This is all just happening inside of me. And E kept trying to introduce me at the wedding. She's close friends with him now, but I couldn't. And Matt kept teasing me and kind of bumping me towards him on the dance floor. And I ran away. And it was all very funny. And at a certain point, it occurred to me that though we change and we evolve and transform so many times in our lifetime, we also carry all those versions of ourselves with us 
imprints, like little drawings tucked away in a folder somewhere inside of our bodies. So that 18-year-old in me who was dancing unapologetically but was still a deer on ice when it came to prowess or pursuit is still filed away in my cells. E, so clearly in love, standing tall in her worth and in her choices, but still wanting her mama to approve and tell her she did all the things right. So what am I even talking about? You know, these are good stories, but what am I offering to you? I think what I'm trying to distill is let's not try to separate things so much. Let's allow things to seep and bleed, to connect and run into things. We are so often asked to make sense of everything, to put ourselves and our experiences into labeled boxes that don't touch each other. And I think that's unrealistic. Things overlap too much for that. We're too human for that. So try not to suppress anything because I think it all belongs in the conversation somehow. In the book, The Signature of All Things by Liz Gilbert, when Alma first discovers the tiny, the tiny world of mosses uh, that's been there all along, she says, the world had scaled itself down into inches of possibility. I love that. I overheard Otis talking to himself this morning. He was in the bathroom and he was sitting on the counter talking to himself in the mirror it's his last day of school today, and his teachers are not coming back next year. And he said to himself, I feel sad. I'm going to miss my teachers, and I don't know if I will ever see them again. But I also feel happy. Summer is here. And then there was this long pause. And then he said, it's going to be emotional today, and that's okay. Oh, and my heart just swelled all the things And I thought, oh, my goodness, breathe, little O, with such a tender heart. Life is going to be so rich for you, but you're the kind of soul who you're going to feel the whole arc. So does your mama. So I'll do my best to remind you that that's okay. That's actually a good thing. In Anaheed's Dash Guard, Breaking the Ocean, I look back now and want to praise the young girl I used to be for her temerity and resilience. I want to share with her what I've learned since to help her understand that her symptoms were an appropriate outlet for expressing the frozen terror she felt each and every day. I would let her know that belonging is never a destination but a journey, something we commit to anew every day to embrace that which most scares us both inside and out, to love what has been rejected, otherwise it will keep interrupting, eventually tearing us apart. This is true for all of us. We cannot break the ocean. We are not meant to live separated from the parts of ourselves that we learn to hide, punish or rebel against. This is our most human job to step out of the seductive fray, to listen to the inner tugs, sensations, feelings, thoughts, bringing us back over and over again to our deepest soul self, the site of greatest possibility for reaching out across difference, tucking the other into our heart and offering love. 
true justice is born out of love, and any belief system that marginalizes parts of the self, parts of the world, is an enemy of life itself. I love that so much. So all of our parts and experiences are potential treasures, or at the very least, they can lead us to them. In the show notes, I will put Rennie's website so you can see his fantastic work. I'm also going to put um, a link to Lisa Foote's work in case you're interested in working with her. She's fantastic, and I can't say enough about that. In addition, Carrie Bergeron is my patron of honor this week. She is a stellar yoga teacher in Denver, truly one of the best, a dear and trusted friend, and I love everything that Carrie stands on. She's true blue, and if you study with Carrie, your mind will be blown in the best ways. And I'll put Carrie's information, her website, in the show notes as well. Carrie is a veteran teacher and a physical therapist with 20 years of experience, a business owner, a mother, mother nature super fan, and a messy, fallible human navigating the waves of major change. She remains continuously curious about patterns, both physical, mental, and emotional, and is passionate about shining a light on these within herself, as well as helping to illuminate these with her clients. Carrie believes that understanding these patterns more deeply can provide each of us with the wisdom to move more wisely in our bodies, as well as our heads, hearts, communities, and world. She is always humbled and heartened by time spent communing with nature and makes wonder and awe daily rituals. Carrie's favorite quote, her favorite current quote right now, and I love this, is what if we gave curiosity a round of applause rather than punishing ourselves for not knowing what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yes. Um, So much love to all and love to all the things big and small, honor and breathe it all in. It's just quite a ride, this being human. Thanks for listening.